So just in the last few days, a lot going on. Of course, our president, commander-in-chief, is diagnosed with COVID, and of course, we pray for health and healing for him and for all people who are struggling with this illness. And um, these kind of things have, uh, you know, can, can put not just a nation, but, you know, a whole world in kind of an unsteady kind of a, a place. Uh, so you might be feeling that. Although your concerns may not be on that big of a level, your concerns might be more local. Our quarterback also di- diagnosed with COVID. We pray for his healing. Um, and, uh, you know, again, it's just a reminder that um, this is out there. Your concerns might be even more immediate than that. Um, Thursday newspaper, we have emus running loose on the streets of Haverhill. Front page emus running loose. In the Merrimack Valley, whether it's the profound or the ridiculous, uh, this world needs Jesus, needs its healing, uh, needs hope. And so uh, we're beginning a new series today. This is an all-church campaign because we're, it's not just sermons that we're teaching, but we're asking every single small group in this church to journey through these same uh, texts. Um, uh, also, there, there's the extra devotional resources. I'll, I'll talk about those a little bit later. Uh, but we want everybody to connect on all these different levels. And we're calling this series Finding True Rest. Now, the word rest is the best word that we could find to describe what we're talking about here. But it's ina- it's, the word's inadequate in a lot of ways. When we're talking about rest in the sense that we're going to be focusing on, uh, it's not just rest because you're tired. And you might need rest because you're tired. I mean, Fernando, you've, you've got a baby at home. Like You need rest because you're often up at night and tired. Amen to that. And that's part of it. That's certainly part of it. But that's not, it's not just about being tired. The opposite of rest, in the sense that we're talking about it, is, uh, isn't tired. The opposite of rest is unrest. It's, it's non-rest. It's um, rest in the sense that we're looking at this means satisfaction. In Jesus. Um, and we'd call the series, you know, Satisfaction, but does the stupid Rolling Stones song get stuck in my head? We'd call the series Satisfied, and then the Hamilton song gets stuck in my head. And so we couldn't use that word for my sake. Um, but we're talking about deep satisfaction, completeness. Not a sense that something is incomplete or inadequate, but that I have a deep uh, sense. Rest in this sense means an end of toiling. Um, in, in our world, there's so much uh, toil and achievement, and we are uh, people who are called to be children of the promise, as the Bible says, not children of achievement. Um, rest, in the sense we're talking about, it means safety, truth as opposed to fear, that I believe that, I am, that there's a security that I possess in God, so I don't have to be paranoid or un, just um, tossed to and fro. So rest, the opposite of rest then would be scattered. You know, I'm just feeling very scattered and and torn. No, I feel grounded and rested. That's what we're talking about. So that type of finding, that kind of true rest is what we're trying to do through this series. And we're going to, to do that, we're going to study through this uh, book of Hebrews, this New Testament, uh, this New Testament letter. So today my goal is to introduce you to the book. Uh, Actually, Pastor Jack preached from Hebrews last week, so he... He kind of paved the way if you uh, caught that sermon. 
Uh, and I also want to explain the goals of this. Why are we doing this? Why are we asking everybody to stop what they're doing to focus on these things? So some of the goals that we're hoping to achieve. So I'll share those with you. And, so, and to do that, we're also going to look at these introductory verses of the letter, which really sets the stage for the whole... It, it, the introduction is really tells us what the whole thing is going to focus on. So let's pray together. So Father God, we do, uh, we do pray for the, the serious and weighty matters of our world. And we just, you know, we, we just, you know them and the things that are heavy on our hearts, whether it's a big, broad national concern or whether it's a personal concern that maybe only we know. But in this time, we, we trust you because you're with us every step. And in, this, in these moments, Lord, we pray that you just focus our hearts but also that you'd unite us as a community as we seek to do this thing together uh, in this season, Lord. We pray uh, both your, your blessing over it, but the power of your spirit to transform us together to more and more uh, trust you. So we give ourselves to you. We give this time to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The, the book of Hebrews, actually one of the more mysterious books in the Bible, um, if, at least in the New Testament, um, the authorship of the human authorship of this book, we, we simply don't know. The author, uh, we know how to firsthand uh, interactions with, uh, with the apostles in, in chapter 2 of the book. He, the author says, uh, this salvation of Jesus, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. So that was it, this is this is the you know the, the generation of Christians who received uh, the apostles' teaching. Uh, it, we think most likely this is somebody very closely associated with the apostle Paul, and I say that because well, and some people actually think it was the apostle Paul who wrote this. I, I don't think that's true. The language is very similar. The teaching is the same, but the language that's used. Is, is different. The Greek language in which it was written is not the style of the Apostle Paul, but the teaching is certainly right there. So was it Barnabas or Apollos or one of these other folks, or was it a, um, a married couple, Priscilla and Aquila, uh, is one theory that it could have been written by this, this couple who were uh, disciplers in the early church. If it is, that means that this would be the only book of the Bible with a female authorship. Again, we don't know, but that would be very interesting. Um, we, there, anyway, oceans of ink has, have been spilled uh, trying to figure this out. And it's okay to not know because uh, it, this, this book was widely accepted in the early church and, and considered very early as authoritative teaching and therefore um, under the, you know, inspired by the Holy Spirit and we receive it as God's word. The form of this letter, I'll call it a letter, but it really is written more like a sermon. So it's not written like a personal letter like some of Paul's letters where he said, you know, from Paul, you know, to these people and say hello to these five people for me. It was, it's not a personal letter. It actually reads more like a sermon. So it has uh, expounding scriptures and looking to the Old Testament and then words of warning, more scripture and then words of encouragement, words of warning. And it, it kind of reads like a sermon. So it, it, it would be as if I said, hey, I wrote you a sermon. I'm going to send it to you as an encouragement. But it doesn't read like a letter. It reads like a sermon. So, and even in, in chapter 13, it refers to itself as an exhortation. So that's maybe a better uh, category to think about it in. The recipients of this sermon 
We also don't know a lot about them. Uh, We assume that they are Jewish believers because the writer assumes that they understand the Old Testament and they understand the Hebrew Scriptures. Uh, But we don't know a lot about them. They were likely, it was probably likely a small, perhaps a house church in Rome. And I agree with Jack that that's probably the the destination of this uh, writing. Uh, But this is people who were facing persecution. Uh, Their fellowship was threatened by this. This is a group of people who were under immense economic pressure. They had been, um, some of their property had been confiscated. They were under um, social pressure. Remember, the early Christians were all Jewish believers, or primarily Jewish believers in the early years. And their whole community and their way of life was connected to their worship. And when the Christians were no longer seen as as valid Jews, they were, um, they were kind of cast out from their community. So they, they lost that. And they formed their own Christian fellowship, uh, following Jesus and following his way. But they, they were ostracized in, in many ways. So there's this social pressure. There's this um, other persecutions. And there was fears and tensions. Even fear of death is mentioned in this writing. And so it's a very intense time. And what happened is, this young community is losing its confidence in Jesus. This young community is um, now tempted to walk away from the faith because it is so hard and really the threat very real. They're very discouraged, weary, maybe even a sense of futility. You know, is it even worth it to follow this Jesus? The message to them throughout this writing is that Jesus is superior to anything else that's come before Jesus is superior to anything that ever will be. And Jesus is supreme. Therefore, in many ways, the book of Hebrews is one of the most Christ-centered writings in the New Testament, which sounds strange to say that, but it really is. Um, And and the message is, don't give up on Jesus. Do not. He is the supreme one. He's your great hope. Don't let go of Jesus, even in the midst of your present difficulty. You know, if you're asking, is Jesus really the way? The resounding answer is, yes. Do not let go. Do not stop gathering. Do not stop worshiping. Because you put yourself in these people's shoes. Again, we don't know everything about them, but, you know, these were, if they're Jewish believers, they had this beautiful hope of a Messiah, the, the anointed one, who was to come and to save and to heal, to bring God's salvation liberation. And they they put their hope in Jesus as the Messiah, and yet there was still persecution. There was still sin. There was still trial. The message for us, and really the goal of this series, is that every single one of us, no matter how long you've been walking with Jesus, whether you're just exploring it, or you're new to this faith, or you've been walking with the Lord for many years, we can all rest more deeply in his accomplished work. We, we, can, we believe that he is supreme, but how do I live as if, as if yes, he is supreme? And because what, what we've been seeing as a community, and these are just some observations, is that there are deep symptoms of unrest, that we, that we need more of this rest. Some of the symptoms. Uh, one that we're, we've been seeing a lot is anxiety. Anxiety is very common in this season, but we've seen it, it's... It's, in general, it's not uncommon, but right now it's through the roof. And our, the people in this 
church community are experiencing deep anxiety. Also, uh, another symptom is unsettledness. This symptom sounds like somebody saying, well, you know, um, COVID's got me out of my normal rhythms and I just feel out of sorts and out of rhythm and I just am, I'm feeling a little lost and unsettled. That's a symptom of not having this rest. Another symptom of this is, is busyness, a new type of busyness. Last week, Jack said, you know, when COVID started, I thought it would be like a little vacation and I could get, focus on some hobbies and learn new things. And then all of a sudden, all my time somehow got eaten up. And all of a sudden, all these months go by. There's just, it doesn't, busyness doesn't look like it used to, but there's a new form of busy, busyness that we put ourselves to, uh, perhaps to noise out some of these other things. It's a symptom of unrest. Another symptom is um, apathy and indifference. This one we've seen, um, and I'm speaking particularly to those who are gathered online. I, there was a number of people said, hey, you know, the online worship, that was great when we first started, and we'd, you know, get a big bowl of popcorn, and we'd, we'd be ready, and we'd all be sitting, and, but now, you know, we have it on, and I'm doing chores. So, you know, we watch the service, but I'm cooking, doing my exercises. And again, it's not that those are bad things in any way, but um, a, a lack of satisfaction in, in the things of, of, of God. And anyway, any of these symptoms, the answer is Jesus. The answer is Jesus. And this, uh, this you know, campaign, as we're, we're calling it, is just how do we move from a place of anxiety to resting more fully in Jesus? How do we move from a place of um, whether the symptom, the symptom could be fear, you know, fear of the future, fear of the unknown. How do I rest more fully in Christ? Resting in his accomplished work, in his grace, being fully, more fully satisfied in him. So as we journey together through this, the key outcomes that we're looking for, the first is joy. That we would genuinely be a community that over the next six, eight weeks or however long we're doing this, it, that we would genuinely be a more joy-filled community because we're so satisfied in Jesus. We also want to be people who have deeper peace because we're, we've found that true rest in Jesus. or We are continuing to find it in deeper ways. Also hope at the end of this that we would be more unified. So I, part of it is you know, studying the same things, that we're having similar conversations, no matter our groups meet all during the week, morning and night, and different days, but that we're having similar conversations and that unites us. But beyond that, the more that we are united to Jesus, the more we realize we're united to one another and called on mission together, that we have a common purpose and we are a family together. And so that, that will bring unity to us, that we will be more unified in the weeks to come. And also uh, just more deeply abiding in Jesus, that vital connection. You know, Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. But, it, you know, but we will bear fruit if we abide in him. And so we have these daily rest stops, we're calling it. Uh, these are devotionals. This is not to replace your normal rhythms of prayer and, and Bible reading. I hope that uh, you know, most of you have rhythms of uh, devotion and prayer in your daily lives. But to take time in the middle of your day, maybe 5-10 minutes in the morning, maybe 5-10 minutes in the afternoon or evening, to stop in the midst of what you're doing to refocus, 
and just very brief readings and reflection to, to refocus, to practice the presence of God, as we call it. So that's what we hope to accomplish, and we're going to do that all through these writings which are introduced here in this passage that Holly read for us. I just want to walk through this, um, these verses because they really do tell the whole story. So this starts um, here in verse 1. It says, In the past God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways, but in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son. This is Jesus is God's word to us. Jesus is the the final word and the greatest word, greater than anything that has gone before, greater than all the prophets and all the law. God has spoken through Jesus, that God has spoken to us. And we can live lives and walk around and say, oh, God, speak to me, God, speak to me. But God has spoken. And again, I I do believe God guides us by his spirit, that God does speak and, and guide to us today. But his ultimate voice, his ultimate word is Jesus, God has spoken to us. And when your father speaks, you hear it. Did you hear when Pastor Dan was, was praying for us? There was a little voice out back said, Daddy, Daddy. That was the perfect image. When the father speaks, we as children say, Daddy, Daddy. And we look to Jesus. And we hear the voice of our father. So he's speaking through his son. And then verse 2, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also made the universe. That Jesus is both the creator of the universe, but also the point of the universe, that he's the heir. He is the inheritor of all of everything that is created. It was created by him and for him. And the beauty of that is that everything in the world is also for us. If it's for him, because as it says in in Romans chapter 8, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God, and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we also will share in his glory. Everything that God is intending in this world through Jesus is intended for us to share as his people. So it's it's the, the source of our world and the goal of our world. And that he is, as, the, as the, these verses say, sustaining all things by his powerful word. That it's not that he set it up and he'll take it back later, but it's being sustained actively. And we can sit and say, wow, this world seems so chaotic. It, doesn't, it, it seems out of control. We say, no, Jesus is in control. He's sustaining it all. He's working his good purposes, even if you cannot see it with your eyes. How can we trust this verse 3? The sun is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being. Jesus is God. We look at Jesus, we see God. Jesus said, if you see me, you've seen the Father. This is God in the flesh. If, if anybody asks, where in the Bible does it say that Jesus is God? You say, Hebrews 1, 1 through 4. This is a great, in many other places, but certainly here, very clear that Jesus is God. And he, it says here specifically that he provided purification for sins. That Jesus came to ultimately save us from a world that is very broken in sin. And sin is not just, you know, the whole the world is broken, but individually we also contribute to that brokenness with our sin and our rebellion. But God comes, takes on human flesh, and Jesus comes and he lives that life, the perfect human life that you could never live. And he dies a death in our place. And he takes it all on himself and pays for it and he provides. It's his blood that he gave. The penalty of sin paid 
for us. And then he, we find salvation in that. And then he sits down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven, it says. He rules over this world, supreme over all. So what? Okay, that's, a big, that's a big, beautiful description of Jesus. So what? Jesus is supreme and ultimate. So why do we look elsewhere? Why do we just look everywhere else for satisfaction, for rest? How do we enter more fully into this rest? And answering that question is what we're trying to do. This is what we're trying to enter more fully into the supremacy of Jesus. Then the rest of the letter, just as a little preview, Jesus, if Jesus is supreme, that means he's superior to everything else. So uh, basically it starts, Jesus is the final word. Jesus is superior to angels. You know, why angels? Well, angels are messengers. Jesus is the ultimate messenger of God's grace. Ultimate and final. You know, how much more should we listen? Jesus is uh, greater than Moses and greater than the law. And he's uh, the, the ultimate rest and the ultimate priest and the ultimate sacrifice. And Jesus is ultimate. Therefore, we can have faith. Therefore, we can rest in him through whatever circumstances of life. And that's what this is all about. Jesus is supreme. Jesus is ultimate. Can we be more fully at rest in him? I don't know about you, perhaps you've felt some of those symptoms of needing this kind of rest or needing it in deeper ways. I've experienced some of those symptoms. That's why that list was easy to make. We just ask, this is my ask today, is just jump on board with what we're doing. Sign up for the daily rest stops. Uh, Get into, if you're not in a small group, jump into uh, a small group, even if it's just for this season, even just temporarily to walk with us through this as we seek to enter in to this rest. Let us pray. Father, we do believe this to be true, that you have sent your son uh, to, to come and to save and to who created this world and rules this world and for whom it was created. But Lord, we pray that you would teach us how, how to live it. We, and that, Lord, not only that we understand it, but... Um, that we would genuinely be changed, that the ministry of your people would be deeper and more profound and more impactful for the sake of your kingdom as we more deeply enter into this. So may it be, we just commit this whole thing to you. This is not, uh, Lord, just our efforts, but this is your word and this is your work uh, that we enter more deeply into, Lord. So we just pray um, for the unity and for the joy and for the satisfaction in you to increase, Lord. Be glorified in your people. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.